0: They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
1: Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness.
2: Hello, I'm Natasha Livingston, Royal Correspondent for The Mail on Sunday. Welcome to The Crown, Fact or Fiction. This is the podcast where we put royal experts on the sofa, turn on The Crown, and tell you if what you're seeing is how things really happened. I'm joined on this in every episode of The Crown, Fact or Fiction by Robert Hardman, Royal Biographer and Mail columnist.
3: Hello, Natasha. Here we are again, jumping, as it were, between the younger generation of the royal family And the senior members. So, of course, last time we were talking about the Queen and Tony Blair. Before that, we were very much looking at William emerging from nervous uh, schoolboy into global superstar. And I think we're going to move that storyline along in this episode don't you
2: yeah this is really a kind of coming of age story um, and we're about to see netflix's version um, of how william and kate met and obviously there is ample opportunity for artistic license here Um, so we'll be talking later to rebecca english the mail's royal editor who will share a bit more light on how factual she thought the episode was but i'm sure we will have our own opinions going through it
3: yeah, I think it's fair to say at this point that we're possibly now entering the most speculative and therefore entirely fictitious episode of the series so far because there just is there's nothing there's no sort of real factual evidence to go on. We know William went off to university, Kate went off to university, we don't really know much about it until they left university we know what happened in the end um, so what we're about to see I think comes under the heading of maybe not rom-com but certainly um, romantic drama
2: yeah some bits are definitely funny and I'm not sure if that in the way that it was intended <laughs> but yes there's lots of scenes of them at university Harry's back in it again behaving badly and a lot of the scenes but yeah
3: Well, I think we've got much to look forward to, probably quite a lot to moan about um, fairly shortly, uh, quite a lot to amuse us. So here comes episode seven of the Crown Series 6. It's called Alma Mater. Oh,
1: my God. It's Princess Diana. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Thank you very much. Here's a pound. Uh, Here. That was very generous. What's your name? Catherine. Kate's fine. So thank you, Kate.
3: Uh, <coughs> thank
1: you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.
3: Someone obviously made an
0: impression.
1: He seems kind.
3: Has a nice face. It's nice eyes too. You. Well, you never know. <laughs> Mummy, he's a
1: royal prince.
3: When I first met your father, he was way out of my reach.
2: It's December 1996. We've just watched the opening scene, which we can confidently say is definitely fiction, um, where (laughs) Kate Middleton is with her mum, Carol Middleton. They are out dress shopping. It's Christmas. They're looking at sparkly outfits. Her mum is encouraging her to wear something a bit more flamboyant to attract the boys. And then by sheer chance, they run into Princess Diana, who is with a young William, and they are selling copies of The Big Issue for charity. Kate is kind of persuaded to buy a copy They kind of have this little meeting. The Kate character looks like she's kind of almost hyperventilating with excitement. Then she goes back to her very pink, fluffy bedroom and is cutting out a picture of William from a magazine.
3: And then we get this incredibly sort of clunky lecture in sort of Middleton family studies from Carol to sort of set the scene for viewers, basically to sort of tell everybody where she came from, where Kate's father came from, how anybody can sort of reach for the stars. I mean, to me, I just felt I don't know, it just felt a bit like as one of those sort of. B division films where sort of some character goes, I can't believe you never told me that I'm the father of my mother's child or whatever it is, you know, (laughs) and they sort of come out with the plot is sort of crammed into a few sentences of script and it felt a bit like that. I can clearly see where this is going. We're going to have Carol Middleton played throughout this as a sort of to put it charitably cupid and we can already see that kate is sort of sensing that a bit it's also it's very interesting you know they clearly knew when this episode's coming out because they're giving it a nice christmas feel are the they? festive <laughs> feeling yeah. it's, it's all very festive maybe this episode would feel entirely different if you were watching it in july but right now it feels of the moment so let's go
0: now you're 18 and of age
3: now it's off to university
0: hopefully yes uh, have you made your choice? There have been reports you're considering Edinburgh. I am, so assume I pass my exams first.
3: He will, he's such a swat.
1: <laughs> How do you think you might get along with the other
2: students, particularly those who might be uh, anti-monarchists? He'll
0: have their heads cut off.
3: <laughs> I just want to go to university and have fun. And girls. I think I'll have enough to be getting on with, without worrying too much about girls. We're seeing William transitioning now from schoolboy to students. So, this particular section of the episode opens with a rave almost going on in the basement of Highgrove. We know that there was a sort of party room down there. I'm not sure it was quite the sort of souped-up nightclub depicted here, but William and Harry definitely like to have sort of loud music and a few drinks. Then it cuts to Eton, where William is sitting very reluctantly in front of a press conference discussing what he's going to do now. He's 18. I'm pretty sure there was no such press conference. I do remember that for his 18th birthday, he did agree to have a photographer, Ian Jones, and also an ITN cameraman following him for various sort of stages of his final year at Eton to create a sort of pictorial record of that. But anyway, here it's him and Harry facing the press.
2: Yeah, I did actually find an article that said he didn't hold his first press conference until three months after his 18th birthday, which I think we'll come on to. But anyway, so this fictional press conference, Carol Middleton is eagerly listening in. And yeah, you can kind of see her eyes sort of narrow, the cogs are whirring in her brain. And it's really sort of starting to tease out that idea that she's going to clearly be sort of meddling behind the scenes, paying a keen interest in William's
3: life. Yeah, I think already I'm starting to feel uncomfortable about that particular subplot. We see William sitting there, sitting his exams at Eton, taking them very seriously slightly sort of odd moment. There's a knock on the door and a detective uh, hands over a present. This is from your father, the Prince of Wales. I mean, I know the royals do a certain degree of formality, but you know they didn't have sort of detectives reminding Prince William who his father was as he's about to take his exams. Again, it's a case of the programme just in a sort of slightly unsubtle way, crowbaring in all the various elements of this. Just in case there's anybody sitting there watching The Crown in some far-flung corner of the world, this is actually the son of the of Wales we're looking at. But of course, I think we know where the plot's going because we suddenly cut away from exams and school to a a figure jogging with headphones on. Who might that be?
2: We believe it's Kate Middleton and she's very much going to arrive on the scene. Whether or not these portrayals are actually how it happened, we will have to see.
3: Well, don't keep us in suspense. C in
0: biology, A in geography and B in history of art.
3: Bravo! Well done, William, you're in. Have you decided where you're going yet William?
0: There's going to be St. Andrews. Not Edinburgh. No, I considered it, but um, St. Andrews is close to Balmoral and uh, the academic course there sounds excellent. I'm going to be taking a gap year. There's a survival course I want to go on in Belize. Then Chile with the Rally International Expedition where I'll be...
3: Well, there we see another press conference. William announces where he's going to go next in his life. We've just seen A-level results, time uh, with the royal family. I'm afraid that just (laughs) didn't quite ring true. Um, My recollection, you're you're much more recent than I am, Natasha. I think A-levels normally come out in the middle of August, don't they? In which case, that would all have been happening up at Balmoral. Not everyone in suits, clearly at Windsor.
2: But they did get the actual grades right. Um, I did check the articles at the time and he did get a C in biology, an A in geography and a B in history of art. So that's something.
3: There we go. (laughs) Um, And then, yes, the the press was summoned to Highgrove. I remember being there for that. I'm sure I remember that day. And and it it did look a bit like that. It was in the open air. He was with his father. It was pretty straightforward. I think he, he just sort of talked about what he hoped to do in his Gap Year. I seem to remember there was a bit of a discussion about passing his driving test, actually. I think that may have been part of the conversation. We hear him outlining the fact that he has now decided to go to St. Andrew's University, and he's got a few things lined up for his Gap Year. Gap years, for those who don't know, is that sort of optional year that some people take between school and university. It's a good opportunity to sort of spread your wings, do a bit of traveling, find yourself. And that is what happened.
2: Yeah, I mean, maybe it's inspired by William, but definitely when I was at university, everyone used to joke it was a gap yard that uh, very posh people did. (laughs) But yeah, it was a well-rounded experience, Um, and he said in this conference that he was going to go to Chile with Rally International, and I watched the video, and he is kind of wearing a beige jumper, looking kind of awkward, as he did here, and he told the press conference that he wanted to do something constructive, and then we flash to the gap yard, it uh, flies past in a couple of seconds, and we see him very diligently scrubbing toilets, playing with children, laughing around a campfire with friends. And I mean, when I watched this, I thought, surely he didn't actually scrub toilets. But then I found the picture and he did.
3: He really did. He was in Chile and there was a brief day or two, I think, when a a TV camera was allowed in to see what he was up to. And he really did have the gloves on and he was scrubbing the loose. And it wasn't stagey. I mean, obviously it looked like that, but that's part of the sort of uh, Operation Rally Processes that you, you, you do these sort of menial chores and there was a lot of helping with um, the local school, local kids we see there. And uh, yeah, I mean, in, in the space of sort of 20 seconds, mm. this whole gap year has sort of been and gone. I thought we might see a bit more of it. Um, I mean, only the crown has got the sort of budgets to fly characters halfway around the world for sort of five seconds of travelogue. But I mean, it looked very nice. And then suddenly, yeah, we're in, embracing St. Andrews with the uh, the North Sea crashing against the rocks. And a new phase of his life is about to begin. Plan tonight? Pint? Golf? Yeah. What I wouldn't get I've got a phone number.
0: Already? I salute you respect. We're on the same course. Oh. Which means I automatically get it. It's a bit lazy.
3: We've already
2: <laughs> crowned her the fittest gun, Sally's. Yeah. But not literally crowned, of course. That's, you know,
1: your thing. Rah. What's her name?
2: Kate. William is settling into St. Andrews, Charles kind of waves him off. He's doing his best to have a good time, even though he's got a kind of security detail lingering in the background. And then he arrives at a history of art lecture and sees Kate Middleton. They kind of have a nervous meeting of eyes, kind of get a sense that they maybe like each other. And she's kind of comes across as quite studious. She's kind of focusing um, on her studies. His friends, there's an interesting scene where they're kind of almost lusting over her in a very sort of teenage boyish way. It did
3: feel like a sort of the four lads sort of sitting uh just sort of discussing you know who's who. They're all just arrived at university. Everyone's interested in everyone else and there's certainly a lot of interest in Kate. What we're seeing here is I think nicely set up the contrast between All the other slightly hysterical girls um, asking William for autographs, asking photos, obviously slightly irritating him. And then this very cool, calm, collected girl who just sort of wafts past, doesn't even give him a second thought – all the boys are talking about it. Clearly, she's being set up as the, the sort of absolute, you know, belle of the ball. She's the one everyone's talking about. That's the
2: Kate in fr- Intoxicate. Oh, yeah, <laughs> one,
3: one of William's friends comes out with some, some really clunky line there. But, you know, no doubt she was attracting attention.
2: Yeah, and there's some interest in her family. Again, Carol Middleton comes up. They're saying her mum made some money out of a party business and that's true. She started at Party Pieces which made her a millionaire. It's not doing so well these days, but um, that's now she's sold the company and then they also say that she was an air stewardess and she did work for British Airways didn't she?
3: Yeah that's something she alluded to earlier in the episode you know that's where she met her husband. So we're starting to see William take possibly a bit more of an interest than he's letting on at the moment. Oh piss off okay. what's it to you come on come, on. We have a deal come, on. come
1: on, let's go let's <laughs> go <laughs> thank you thank you, thank thank you very much thank
2: you Lola Airedale Cavendish Kincaid what? from a family so posh they had to name it thrice when it comes to bagging a prince only genuine blue bloods need apply
3: Freshers Week is sort of Continuing, uh, it looks like as the first party, Prince William is soon flirting with a a girl who we later discover has got a triple-barreled name and there's a sort of first fling. At the same time, I think the the script writers are keen to show he's not some sort of delinquent student. You've got Harry lecturing him on being far too square and boring, and then uh, it's rather interesting scene where he's the one knocking on the door of the detective, going, come on! Kicking out the detective first thing in the morning for an early morning run along the seafront where, guess who's running the other way? It's Kate. But I think it's being set up to see that actually William is a naughty student having fun, but he's also quite a conscientious, sensible chap.
2: Kind of the similar depiction of Kate really, um, because we also see her working away in an Italian restaurant and she kind of spots William with this Lola out the window um, and they're kind of laughing, getting together. And I did check and um, Kate did actually mention it was in the 2019 Christmas special with Mary Berry, and she <laughs> said, uh, there was making a cocktail and she said, it reminds me of my university days when I did a bit of waitressing. Uh, but Mary asked her if she was good at the job and Kate Kate said that no, she was terrible. <laughs> but at least she did work in a restaurant.
3: But we don't know if she looked out of the window no. and saw Prince William uh, kissing a triple barrel girl who didn't exist, probably. No. <laughs> so that's where all the material went.
0: Actually, I'm done with it now, but I've promised it to someone else first. You're
1: welcome to the notes I made and the essay I've written oh, if you think I, it would help. Thanks. Da- when you're done, just text me and let me
3: know.
1: Yeah. Or cut a hole in your ceiling and give it back. I'm
2: in the room directly above you.
3: Uh, so it's you that's been keeping me up at night.
2: I only noticed you in the room below because they came to sweep us for bugs. I told them if they were worried I was out to get you. I could have just done that in Chile, on the Gap Year Rally International expedition.
0: Did you do that too? I did. Yeah. Oh. Hi. Hi. That's Lola. Kate. Hi. Hi.
3: Uh, we were just... Well, there's a I think, sort of comedy of manners in the library. It's a case of William trying to strike up conversation with Kate. He's gone into the library to look for various books, to do his essay. All the relevant books have been taken out by the extremely conscientious Kate, who's uh, ahead of everybody. And then they start talking about their shared gap year adventure, at which point the girlfriend who we know didn't really exist looms into view and there's a showdown which results with William offending both women who then walk off.
2: Yeah, and before that, we saw things were really going quite well. They were swimming together. Um, Kate kind of out swims him, and that seems to amuse William. I think he kind of likes that competitive streak in her. Um, And then they kind of continue to bond when they're talking in the library. Kate kind of slips in that uh, she also did a gap year in Chile, um, and they kind of narrowly missed each other. And you can see he kind of sits down as we're very excited by this news, this kind of shared common ground. Um, But yes, then imaginary girlfriend Lola comes over, She's not very happy. William loses his temper, and it all goes downhill.
3: Well, Natasha, you're always uh, very thorough on the, the backstory to all this. Did Kate Middleton go to Chile as as is depicted here on her gap here?
2: Yeah, she did. Uh, she went to Chile and she did the same expedition with Rally International. I don't know if it was a week after. It was, I was read a report where it was the following month. But yes, yeah, so they did have that um, shared experience. Um, but they
3: didn't overlap. They weren't in Chile at the no. same time.
2: She says here that it, it was they missed each other narrowly by a week. Um, I think that's maybe slightly condensing it. But yeah, I think this will play out whether or not that was a complete coincidence. I guess is a question that Peter Morgan likes to explore. And just one. One thing that's interesting is we can see there's a bit of tension going on here. Ed McVeigh, who was playing William, he said in an interview recently that the writer kind of wanted to create a bit of dramatic tension in their relationship. And it was kind of fun to have roadblocks in their relationship. So I think that's what we're seeing.
3: Made up roadblocks, clearly. (laughs) But I think there's now an anguished William trying to come to terms with the fact that he may just have messed up what do you mean you're not going? I've been given a cottage at Balmoral for the weekend. Invited some friends. Oh, some real friends. And what are we, chopped liver? You can't not go.
2: Raising Weekend is a first year rite of passage. Is this about Lola? No. God no, that's over. Or Kate? Because Ollie said you made a real arse of yourself with her in the library. Thanks. No. I mentioned mention it. And that you've been kicking yourself out. I
0: hope to say it, mate. You are missing out. Not least because with your back turned, Kate is getting a lot of attention. I guess you'll just have to woo her when you get back. <laughs> you better make it quick. Well...
3: Yeah, things aren't going well for Prince William now. He's had his awkward bust-up in the library, and now we're coming up to the sort of the high point of Freshers' Week at St. Andrew's University, which is something called Raisin Week, which normally descends into a perfectly amicable but fairly chaotic combination of sort of shaving foam, people throwing raisins at each other. It's It's a sort of freshers' party that always gets a bit out of hand, but everyone seems to enjoy it, and all his friends are saying, oh, this is going to be great fun, and William is saying no. I'm off to Balmoral. I've got a cottage there for the weekend. I'm taking some friends. So off he goes to Highlands, where he is there with Harry and a few mates, and it's a sort of boys' weekend. There seems to be quite a lot of shooting going on, a hell of a lot of drinking, and William's clearly not enjoying it. He, he knows he's in the wrong place. He's feeling down in the dumps, so he rings up his mate back at St. Andrews to see what's happening to receive the grim news that Kate is falling for the charms of another, and so he comes back down in the dumps to St. Andrews with a terrible hangover, goes, so we see him actually shopping uh, rather forlornly in a supermarket. And he's walking past the halls of residence. And this time it's his turn to look through the window and see his enamorata in the arms of another chap.
2: Yeah, William's back out, bumps into Kate, and very awkwardly, she's hand in hand with uh, what appears to be a new boyfriend, Rupert. William decides this is the time to apologise for their spat in the library. He kind of tells her that, you know, his relationship is dead with Lola, letting her know that uh, he's single, but Kate seems quite secure with the new boyfriend. And unlike Lola, this boyfriend was real. He really was um, called uh, Rupert Finch, and then... They, uh, did date and a little bit of trivia the actor is Ollie Green who is the boyfriend of actress Sienna Miller so unlike some of the other young actors here he is actually has been in the papers recently for his uh, real relationship
3: oh my goodness showbiz wheels within <laughs> wheels I didn't know that here we are crown fact or fiction well it's a little bit of fact there you know Raisin Week did exist I think there is a picture somewhere of, of Kate at Raisin Week I'm sure I've seen it in some magazine
2: but William missed Freshers Week so okay. he went a week later um, uh, so, so again the timelines here i think are a bit
3: we don't know if he was missing it because he was in the highland shooting whether he was doing something else and then we know that kate did end up with a boyfriend called rupert but we've now got quite a while in this episode without seeing the rest of the royal family so i think the action is probably about to shift back to sandringham
2: more fact or fiction coming up after the break
3: I used to enjoy history of art at school,
0: but now I struggle to see the point in it.
3: The girl he likes has found herself a real man. I think that's why he's feeling sorry for himself. Oh,
1: really? Knock, knock. Granny. I came to see if you were all right. University hasn't been easy by the signs of it. If what Harry said is true, and your dissatisfaction has more to do with affairs of the heart, I'm a firm believer that what is meant for you won't pass you by.
3: So there we see William back in the bosom of the royal family. It's Christmas time. He's at Sandringham the royal family gathered round the fire. I'm quite sure he didn't have to have his love life unraveled in front of the whole family, but there they all are. Harry is telling everyone that the real reason William's a bit grumpy and down in the dumps about university is because the girl he is interested in is not interested in him. And then there's a rather sweet little scene, isn't there, Natasha, where the, the sort of queen comes and knocks on his door to sort of check he's all right. And there's a sort of, I mean, obviously it's completely fabricated. Uh, we've no idea if, if, if anything like this ever happened. But I think it's just a sort of reminder of the bond between the queen and her grandson as she seeks to assure him all will be well.
2: Yeah, I think it's quite a relatable family dynamic, coming back from university, having a whole family kind of question what's going on in your private life. As unrelatable as the royal family can be at times, I I do like scenes like this, where it's a kind of reminder, whether it's based in fiction or or otherwise, you know, that they are real people. And you can imagine that situations like this, you know, will have played out, they will have had questions. But one thing that is definitely true is that William did switch from studying history of art to geography. So there was clearly something that he was not happy with, whether or not. it was related to Kate or any girls we don't know but that bit is true
3: There is that rather sweet exchange where the Queen is talking to William and expressing her sympathy for affairs of the heart, and he says, oh, we've got another word for that, which is dating. And the Queen says, well, um, yes, uh, we didn't do that in my day. You just met someone, married them, and got on with it. Yeah, as you say, Natasha, it's relatable. I think it's a reminder that in this particular time of his life where we're still only a few years after the death of his mother, you know, life is pretty stressful for the... future king and actually he's quite happy being in the bosom of the royal family this is not an imposition he doesn't really want to be anywhere else except possibly with kate but he can't be because we're about to see she's with somebody else is it serious
1: quite if that's okay with you why wouldn't it be you've always loved the idea of me and william together i was all set to go to Edinburgh university then you suggested i change it to saint andrews that was no coincidence. Yes, it was.
2: And then to the expedition in Chile as well, where he went. I thought you'd thank me.
1: You said you liked him. Well, yes, well then I grew up. I just don't want you to be seeing Finchie because you're making a point to me. Especially since i would heard on the grapevine that William is miserable and wants to leave university.
2: So from Sandringham to the Middleton family Christmas where Kate is bringing back her boyfriend Rupert which I have to say just from the off I think is quite surprising because they say in the dialogue that Kate is only seeing Rupert and it's quite a big step in what would have been at the end of the first term to bring a boyfriend back to meet everyone the family for Christmas but maybe that happened, I don't know but I think it's a device to bring poor Carol Middleton back into the events because we see the Middleton family are all having dinner they all seem to be getting along Rupert leaves and their couple seem happy um, but then Kate and Carol have a bit of a difficult conversation where it all kind of comes out that Kate clearly thinks that her mother has been trying to orchestrate her getting together with William I think we'll discuss this later in more detail with Rebecca English but it's clear that Carol here is being set up, she says she thinks Kate was always special and William the poor boy needs you know a normal girl like Kate.
3: This is The Crown leaving absolutely no room for any Doubt here at all? It's it's absolutely root one. This romance has been entirely engineered by Kate's mother, and I think it's incredibly unfair. These are the sort of charges that are that are wounding, and uh, I well, I just hope Carol Middleton doesn't have to sit and watch this. There are tensions too, as we see Harry and his father having a sort of furtive row about something, not quite sure what. Harry wants to go outside for a cigarette. Charles says no, you stay here. Harry storms out. Williams sort of catching a glimpse of this. And I think we're now going to cut back to family dramas at Sandringham. You're not really going to do it. What? Leave uni. I haven't decided. Stop muscling in on my territory. I know my job to be the f*** up in this family. Don't you start to?
0: Go back to St Andrews. What's going on with you and Pa? found out about the weed. went ballistic. Said I could have got myself expelled. Now he wants
3: me to go to a treatment center to spend the day with some addicts. What? Remorse and responsibility, he said. Thanks. Because it'll be in all the papers and make me look like a lost cause again. So the episode comes to a close. We've seen uh, Harry and William having a heart to heart, which is a wonderful example of crown hindsight, where um, Harry's uh, later troubles in life all being set up uh, beautifully. You've got Harry saying to William, you've got to go back to university. I'm the one who uh, who messes up in this family. I'm the one who's, uh, as he puts it, you know, Willie Goldstar, Harry Black Sheep, uh, you know, Willie Saint, Harry Sinner um he's uh i think natasha being caught in a a tabloid story about a, a drugs bust or something is that right
2: yeah this did happen he um was caught um smoking weed um but and there was a story in the news of the world about this um but then obviously recently in his book spare prince harry accused charles's spin doctors of kind of Spinning this story in a way that made Charles look good by sending him to a rehabilitation center to help him get better, but actually Harry said this happened months before. News of the world found out about Harry smoking weed, and so that was a kind of yeah. Un- they span him under the bus is the way that he talks about right. it.
3: Well, it's being worked into the the plot line here that uh, naughty Harry has been courts making drugs narrowly avoided expulsion from school and has to go to an addiction center by way of penance. And Harry's sort of accepting his lot. He's saying, look, this is my role in this family just to be the disaster area. Nothing can eclipse you. You're the great one. Go back to university. He's sort of rather sweetly, um, saying, you know, you, you, you thrive and I'll, I'll take the rap. And then we cut back to the ongoing saga of Kate, William, uh, will they get it together, won't they? There was a rather interesting little moment at the end of that sort of showdown between Kate and her mother in Natasha. I don't know if you saw where Carol Middleton, who says to Kate, I've heard on the grapevine William's about to leave university. I'm, how on earth would she know that? I mean, Kate's at the university. She knows everything. I think it's going on there. How does her mother know something she doesn't know about someone at university whom she has yet to meet?
2: Yeah, it's kind of like her last throw of the dice to try and sort out this situation, her last kind of effort of orchestrating this relationship, pulling them together, pulling the strings, you know, which again, I imagine is something that Carol Middleton might dispute and there is not really any evidence for. No, it doesn't um,
3: ring true that she's sort of nudging her daughter with, with gossip about, about university that she's got and her daughter hasn't. Mm-hmm. But but nonetheless, according to this episode, it does the trick because right at the end we see Kate's obviously taken this bit of gossip from her mother to heart and we see her sending a text and the last scene there is William um, being awoken by a bleeping phone and it says...
2: Please don't leave uni, Kate, kiss. Uh, and I have to say I was a bit confused when the initial scene, uh, Kate is sort of sitting on the end of her bed and a green light flashes up in her face and I was thinking this is very Harry Potter, what's going on here? But of course it's a an old sort of Nokia stuff phone. Oh, yeah. This is
3: pre-iPhone era. So yeah. This is all, all new to you. But those are the days of very, very clunky phones. Um, but, you know, at least texting is around then.
2: Yeah. She taps out the message here, the click, click of the keyboard. And uh, yeah, I guess it's a, again, I don't know if this is true, but she's kind of being portrayed as the reason that William stays on at St. Andrews.
3: Well, it's clearly being set up for another Um, episode. We are um, very consciously not jumping ahead in crown fact or fiction. We're just dealing with one episode at a time. So what better moment to invite in a great expert on all things Royal, Rebecca English. Well, we're very lucky to be joined today uh, by the Daily Mail's peerless royal editor Rebecca English and Rebecca I know you're not the world's greatest fan of the crown but can I begin by asking you what what did you think of that episode you're
1: right I'm not the biggest fan of the crown and I think that's because like anybody has a modicum of knowledge about anything when you watch it you just find yourself screaming at the television (laughs) no it didn't happen like that (laughs) Um, and you realize maybe unduly so how much you spot is wrong I can understand why people love the early episodes because, of course, there were these sumptuous sets, beautiful costumes, incredibly talented cast. But I think the trouble is now you're looking at the lives of people that we all know and events we remember, which I think makes it a lot more difficult for the programme makers. And I'll be really honest, I found this particular episode like a kind of schmaltzy made-for-TV Christmas movie.
3: When Harry met Sally, when William met Kate. Kind of
1: exactly. I kind of watched it through my fingers let's say
3: <laughs> what were the the highs and lows for you
1: I think the biggest low was the depiction of Carol Middleton, which I thought was incredibly harsh and incredibly unfair. Um, you know, I'm, I'm
3: glad you say. I thought that was very harsh on Carol Middleton, who is, you know, very much with us. I mean, who I don't know whether she watches this. I hope she doesn't. But, you know, we've talked a lot in this programme about, you know, the crown taking liberties um, and just sort of clomping with its sort of hobnail boots over people's sensitivities. But on that particular point... I mean, is there anything to back up this theory of sort of Mrs. Middleton as some sort of scheming Cupid or is it just sort of conjecture?
1: Well, as far as I'm aware, the first suggestion of this originally emanated from a kind of of back-of-the-magazine diary item I think it was in the spectator magazine which was basically reporting a bit of dinner party gossip that this was the case and unfortunately as you know what these things they have a suddenly have a life of their own and grow wings and then it became almost an urban myth I think there's a lot of parents who are ambitious for their children academically and and socially and good luck to them and I suspect maybe there was a an assessment when they went to university which would be the best university for you and the kind of people that you'd be mixing with but I don't think there's ever really been any hard evidence because of course there we have the um, the UCAS system then in the UK and mm. you have to get certain grades and certain universities like places like Edinburgh and St Andrews are very oversubscribed
3: normally. And we're very popular with people from you know Kate was at a, a, a while in public school Marlborough and there were a lot of other people from Marlborough both at St Andrews and at Edinburgh, where she was originally thinking of going. So it wouldn't have been that unusual for her to go to either. I certainly remember people sort of switching courses. What about you, Natasha? Do you, do you have memories of only You're much younger than us. And uh, this was all uh, well before your time. But I mean, the, uh, did it ring true for you?
2: I think it's generally a bad idea when people follow boyfriends to university. And I think you can imagine looking at your choices as, as a young teenager, sometimes you do make decisions that aren't based on academic reasons. Whether or not Kate Middleton or her mother watched a press conference, uh, learned where William was going and then kind of orchestrated it that way, I guess we just don't know. I mean, you can see obviously the appeal of, you know, being around a prince. I mean, I was in my notes, had the statistics, applications to St. Andrews did shoot up that year. Absolutely. Um, if, maybe from
3: a- Abroad, though, weren't they?
2: Yeah, I read quite a lot of articles about excited American women who were kind of really, you know, desperately following poor William around St. Andrews trying to make a relationship happen. But a lot of people that, you know, know Kate have said she was kind of far too cool, really, to, you know, be behaving in this way. And Rebecca, you flagged this out to me, their engagement interview in 2010. She kind of directly addresses this claim that, that there's a scene in the intro where they imagine Kate is cutting out a picture of William to have on her wall. and she addresses that doesn't she and said that actually it was a it's the Levi's guy from Levi's jeans that she had
1: yeah because that was a story that was put out by supposed friends of hers at Marlborough and I actually spoke to other people at Marlborough who told me at the time that just isn't true and Tom Bradby did as you rightly say, directly ask her in the interview. And I mean, fair play for him for asking because it was a little bit awkward. Yeah, very awkward. she took it in her stride (laughs) and she actually said, I've got it written down, he wishes, no, I had the Levi's guy on my wall, not a picture of William, sorry. And he even makes a joke and says, maybe it was me in Levi's. But, you know, she wasn't having any of it, I have to say.
3: Harry returns in this episode, doesn't he? We see a bit of Harry sort of cracking jokes with his brother about going to university. I think at one point he says uh, university, says sex with books. Do you think William consulted Harry at all? Did the family have any part in William's choice of St Andrews?
1: Another example of a kind of fictitious scene is they show a scene which I presume must be at Windsor. It's not really clear, but they have the whole royal family sitting round as William opens his A-level results. You've got everyone from the Princess Margaret to the Queen Mother chipping in. Yeah and Prince Philip says only straight A's will do. (laughs) (laughs) I mean I'm just not sure anything like that ever happened. I mean what child would allow it to? It's a question of you know opening your results and then maybe they're discussing them with your parents and telling the wider family but those kind of scenes just didn't happen. And you're right to mention Harry because given Harry's deal that he's got with Netflix for his own productions, you'd think they might look at him a little kindly on this, but certainly in this and a couple of the episodes around it, he comes out as a pretty unpleasant and not very likeable character who just spends his time going hurrah oh, for and drinking with a load of objectionable and obnoxious mates. And as you rightly say, urging William to stop being so boring and have a lot of sex when he goes to university. Actually, I could see him probably saying that. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, but in the way that brothers will tease each other. But, yeah, he doesn't come across as a very likeable character at all.
3: And in in terms of what we know of the chronology of the relationship, because we have to remember of all the episodes uh, that we've seen in this series so far, most of them have cut away to known factual events. This one, really, I mean, it's just, you know, made up from beginning to end because, you know, Williams University, days. aside from the fact that we know, yes, he went to St Andrews, yes, that's where he met his future wife, these weren't chronicled events.
1: The chronology is a good point, and some bits they get right and, and some bits they don't. And there's a very good reason for this because, of course, William... Its entire school and university career is largely undocumented because of an unprecedented agreement between Buckingham Palace and, and, you know, then St. James's Palace, later Clarence House, and newspaper editors to allow him the chance to grow up and experience this unfettered by the kind of weight of scrutiny that would come with the media and his position. So again, for example, they show a big press conference where William announces where he's going to university and, you know, the media. And I don't expect people's sympathy for this. You know, we are what we are. But it does show this kind of snarling pack of journalists and flashbulbs going off once again, it just didn't happen. Part of this agreement was that he was interviewed by a single reporter from the press association, and a package of pictures and videos given out to allow him, as I say, to, to grow up without this kind of pressure, but still feed the public interest in him, which was a you know a positive public interest in him through the media. Also, I think you're right about raising how the nature of their relationship moved. And The Crown kind of portrays William as latching onto Kate from day one, Pursuing uh, with a lot of kind of crude interjections from this kind of cackling group of friends that they had. Now, we know this is not entirely true. And the reason why we know this is from William and Kate themselves, because, again, they were asked about this by Tom Bradby in their engagement interview and she admits in it when she first met william she was a little bit embarrassed and went red and scuttled off but they soon got over that hurdle and realized they had a lot in common and became really good friends and they openly admit that the relationship didn't become a romantic one until well into their second year when they were living together with Fergus Boyd and uh, Ollie Chadwick, the two good friends of theirs at a kind of private home in St Andrews and they realised that actually their relationship was something more they even joked about could it have been a little bit awkward for the other people we were sharing a house with but actually they just liked to see us quite happy so again there's quite a lot of artistic licence there Uh, and also so with the girlfriends and this I think is particularly egregious because it portrays William as being in a relationship and I'm going to have to read this because I, as they say from a family so posh they had to name it thrice it shows him dallying with a lady called Lola Airedale cavendish Kincaird, who Surprise, surprise, doesn't actually exist. And I think it's an amalgamation.
3: Sounds like several breeds of dog. Yeah, exactly. How are we going to posh up this family? I'll just think of a few breeds.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we'll just chuck in an extra name there. It'll be fine. He did have a relationship with a young lady called Carly Massey Birch. And there was another girlfriend, Olivia Hunt. They were kind of... Six, eight-week, 12-week relationships, you know, enjoying each other's company, starting out university, but nothing serious. And actually, Kate was the one that was in a serious relationship, or serious by university standards, with Rupert Finch.
3: Who is named with his real name. In... He is,
1: and that relationship is depicted properly there. He actually went on to marry Lady Natasha Rufus Isaac, who was a good friend of William's. And that fact, William had been rumoured to be dating her at some point. It's all very... Very incestuous. They, as a couple, were also at the royal wedding. They were, and Kate wears, she has a design label beulah, which she wears a lot. So um, it's all very friendly and very, uh, very harmonious.
3: This is just sort of the pattern of university life. In that regard, this would sort of ring true.
1: It does, but I think what's a bit unfair is the characterisation of this Lola character, who is a thoroughly obnoxious piece of work.
3: Well, they may be sparing the blushes of any real girlfriend by giving her a fake name.
1: True, but I don't think it says a lot to William's own character or judgement that that's Mm -hmm. the kind of girl he would get involved with, because obviously the then Kate Middleton is being portrayed as this kind of quite saintly, lovely character, which, which is true. Everyone I know that went to school with her, they used to call her lovely. They just said she was just a thoroughly nice person. So I don't think it says a lot about William. And there was this, I don't know if you spotted it, Natasha, this very strange scene in the university library where... William uses the word fit to describe a girl and he suddenly starts getting it in the neck from both Kate and Lola about his sexism. And it was like, where did this go? from? Yeah, this
2: they really gang from? up on him, don't yeah. they? In that scene, I also thought they are meant to be in a library, so I'm sure someone would have come along and wrapped them on the head saying, why are you talking so
3: loudly? Um, I like the inference that they're all hard at work in the library.
1: <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah, well, well, exactly. And they do portray Kate as actually being very studious and that there's a scene where William tries to get some books and they say, "Oh, Kate Middleton's already beaten you to it." <laughs> I mean, she's definitely the heroine
2: of the piece. Put it that way. Yeah, I think she definitely comes out better than her mother. It's really, I think, Carol Middleton that's not been portrayed particularly well. And there's a quote from Peter Morgan that you put in one of your pieces this week, Rebecca. He's he, talking about The Crown. He says, "Some of it is necessarily fiction, but I try to make everything truthful, even if you can't know if it's accurate." I mean, in relation oh, to Carol the other Middleton. One,
3: <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, so it's all true, unless I'm made it up, in which case it's true anyway. Mm.
1: Uh, that, that's the definition of having your cake and eating it, it's isn't a it? It's work. <laughs> and like I say, I do feel sorry for Carol, because throughout this episode, they constantly insert scenes with her, even cutting away to her as she's watching a kind of...
2: Yeah, um, meddling in the yeah, countryside. Yeah, exactly.
1: An interview of William, and then you kind of cut to her going, oh, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as, uh, what, what, what plot can I cook up? And it mm. just seems... Especially since the writers can be so scathing about the media that actually if you believe that, they're doing exactly the same thing. it just, you know, caricaturing. Yeah, it's quite
2: reminiscent of Mohammed Al-Fayed in the early episodes, kind of both portraying them almost as similar kind of puppet masters, which, I mean, obviously with Mohammed, it, there's more truth to that, but then to portray Carol in the same way, it's something that you would imagine, yeah, she might be, if she watches it, quite obsessed about.
3: I wouldn't blame her. I, I, I think it's appalling. And I think, yeah, one other thing, it kind of slightly glosses over by, by focusing on her. It's just what a close family unit the Middletons were, I mean they're a very close, loving family. I mean, I think Michael Middleton is just as key to the sort of stability.
1: I remember years ago writing an exclusive for the Daily Mail about how the Queen had invited the Middletons for dinner at Windsor before the wedding as a kind of proper get-to-know you. So I think the royal family recognised what a lovely family they were and how protective they were of each other. And you know they they put up with a lot of pressure from the media i have to admit and the interest and the scrutiny but they never said a, a single word or they never have said a single word over the years they've always kept a very dignified silence and i think the late queen wanted to to recognise that so that's to say it just adds to that sense of it just seems really thoroughly
3: unfair taste in the mouth at the end of this episode well rebecca thank you so much for joining us it's been a great pleasure to get you uh on here despite how busy you are with all the other royal stories flying around thank you it's
1: been an absolute pleasure thanks for asking me thank you
3: thanks again to our guest rebecca english the mail's royal editor and thanks to all of you for joining us here for this episode of the crown fact or fiction
2: Once again, we'd like to thank you for your comments. And as usual, we'd like to share a few. We've got a lovely comment from Linda, who said she's found the podcast very informative and enjoyable. And another lovely comment from Rufus, who said he enjoyed the podcast's excellent analysis of complicated episodes. And he said, well done to all three of us, which I presume is referencing when we had the lovely Richard Kay on.
3: Well, thank you very much for that, Rufus. Uh, And if you've enjoyed listening uh, and haven't already, please do give us a five-star rating and a follow. And feel free to leave a comment or review, and we'll try and read it out uh, on the next episode. And finally, if you would like to send us a WhatsApp message, take a look in the show notes uh, for our number.
2: But for now, thanks so much for listening to The Crown, fact or fiction. Goodbye.
3: Goodbye.
0: Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: Our hit series, Everything I Know About Me, is back for a brand new season. And this time, our guest needs no introduction. I'm coming to find me, Darren! but here's one anyway.
1: Hi, I'm Gemma Collins, and this is everything I
0: know about me.
3: If you think you know all about Gemma Collins, think again, because this is the GC as you've never heard her before.
0: It's been exhausting. Unashamed. And I was really heartbroken because I was pregnant and he was having an
3: affair. Unfiltered. I have had an operation as well years ago. I have a designer vagina. Yeah, baby!
1: I don't have camel toe.
3: Unbelievable.
1: And then they advised me, you need to have a termination. And,
3: uh, yeah, I remember that being really stressful. Everything I Know About Me with Gemma Collins is out this Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts.